I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Safer banking for all, so says the Chancellor, but will his new regulations be of any benefit to you? The financial crisis has hit savers and spenders alike, but what about givers? And as house price indices show further falls, we go in search of the UK's few property hotspots. All this to come on this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Charlene Goff. Hello. Ellen Kelleher. Hello. And our special studio guest, Stephen Wall, director at Scorpio Partnership, the strategy firm focused on wealth management. Hello. So let's start then with this week's money news. The government has finally announced its long-awaited plans for reforming the banking regulatory regime. There will now be a new capital and liquidity requirement for every UK bank. There will be a new levy on banks to pre-fund the financial services compensation scheme, which reimburses savers in failed banks. There could also be a new traffic light warning system, similar to food labelling, to flag up riskier investments and give us a better idea of what's suitable for all of us. So, Charlene, a lot of this looks good on paper, and I think you read all 167 pages of uh, the particular paper um, earlier this week. Uh, but what's actually in it for us? Well, incredibly, even though it is, it was a very lengthy, wordy document, there wasn't a great deal that immediately sprung out as being a benefit for consumers. Um, there was a lot in there about further regulation and consultations and what the government might look at doing one day, but there was very little of any very little idea of what it's actually going to do now to make savers feel more confident about the banks, feel their savings are protected, and to encourage more mortgage lending. So so for consumers, it was quite a disappointment. Well, let's take um, each of those areas. Let's start with compensation for savers. That's obviously been uh, a major concern in the last 18 months, uh, especially given uh, some of the overseas banks that have got into trouble. Um, is there anything concrete about increasing the level of compensation for savers? No, they're not going to increase the level of compensation for savers, but we do bear in mind here that actually no one's lost any money yet. And each time a bank has collapsed, every saver has been reimbursed in full. So they shouldn't have too much to worry about. There are some proposals to create a pan-European deposit guarantee scheme that would help people with money in foreign banks. And listeners may remember the problems with iSave when that went down last year and there was a lot of concern from their customers that they wouldn't be protected 
in Iceland and would the government step in? Yes, it did in the end, but it didn't have an obligation to. So this would provide an extra layer of security for savers with money in foreign banks. There's also a measure, as you said, for banks to pre-fund the compensation scheme. So the money would already be there in the event of a collapse and it wouldn't, the government wouldn't have to top it up. Let's uh, look at mortgages uh, next. Um, Risky mortgages, uh, or mortgages of 100% of a property's value or more, is there going to be any clamp down on those? There could be. uh, Nothing concrete again in the report. The government said there will be a further report on this in October that would look specifically at 100% mortgages. No bank is offering these at the moment, so that's some sign of the appetite from banks to lend at this level. Um, It really hasn't been there, so it the government may decide that it's just going to rule these out, although some mortgage brokers told me that they did not expect formal caps on lending. Um, But the government is almost doing this by default because it's bringing in these more stringent requirements on how much cash banks have to hold. It's actually limiting their capacity to offer these riskier loans because if someone's only got a 5% deposit or a 10% deposit, they have to put down more cash to compensate for that additional risk. So these kind of products could still be quite hard to come by. And I suppose that that might be a concern for people looking to remortgage where the value of their properties has fallen below um, the the level of uh, the mortgage itself. And I think this week Nationwide has... Uh, joined Halifax in trying to offer some limited help to to people looking to remodel. Yeah, lenders are trying to help existing customers, and that's an important differentiation. So it's not being given to first-time buyers. You can't go in and, and take a mortgage for the full amount of the property value or even 125%. But if you've fallen in, into negative equity, they're trying to introduce some kind of help that that would enable people to move house so they're not trapped in a property um, as that's obviously would stagnate the the housing market and they don't want that so they are trying to help people where they can but only really existing customers would benefit from that and uh, very quickly and i think i know the answer to this question already was there any detail about this traffic light system for risky investments very limited detail and they really just said that it was an option that they were considering i mean that would they said that they could bring in something like food labeling so the red uh, flag on it on investments or credit cards would sig- signal complexity, uh, not necessarily high risk, but just you've got to work out whether that is right for you. And also there is there was a measure to bring in free financial advice for consumers, which is a positive thing. So everyone could get some help, particularly if they fall into debt or lose their job. You know, there would be this new service that would look to help them out and, and get them back on track. It sounds like we'll have to wait uh, a little bit longer before we get anything uh, so specific as uh, a red light warning about oven chips on our uh, financial services products. Thanks very much for that, Charlene. And you can read more on the banking regulation proposals in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. And if you've got a question about your mortgage or your savings, just email us at money at ft.com. Still to come, we seek out the property hotspots as prices continue to cool. 
First, though, charitable giving. Throughout the financial crisis and the ensuing recession, the FT Money Show has focused on helping listeners make what money they can and protect what they've already got. But what about giving to good causes? A new report from Barclays Wealth out this week called Tomorrow's Philanthropist has found that the wealthy are still giving despite the downturn and some individuals are actually increasing the levels of their funding to ensure that their charitable goals are met. But what's the best way to do this and uh, is it better to donate time as well as money? Uh, Ellen, you've seen this particular report. Um, were you surprised by any of the findings? Well, it is very interesting, Matthew. I mean, as F. F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote, the the very rich are different from you and me. But you know, maybe maybe they're not so different. They they seem to be a little bit less stingy um, amid the downturn. Uh, uh, in the last eighteen months. Uh, a number of uh, wealthy sort of entrepreneurial types have actually upped uh, the ante and are, have increased the amount of money that they've given to charities, uh, which suggests that they're they're sort of adopting uh, kind of a, a, a more socialist outlook um, and are kind of recognizing there are more problems that need to be dealt with in the market downturn. Stephen, you're something of an expert on this. Uh, what sort of trends do you see in terms of uh, wealthy pe- people uh, giving money um, in at times like this? Um, firstly, as you say, there's a maintenance of an interest in the area. Um, there's also a, a willingness for the ultra-rich specifically to cover the gap that they may see um, that derives from a lack of interest perhaps from governments. So you'll see the likes of Soros funding um, specific areas of interest in Eastern Europe. You'll see um, the likes of uh, Warren Buffett giving extra funding through the Gates Foundation to certain issues globally. Um, interestingly, from the from the private wealth management perspective, they have to, they're seeking ways to re-engage with the client base at the moment. Philanthropy is something that they can use to achieve that. However, I think um, Barclays aside, perhaps, and some other institutions aside, I think generally across the industry, there's a, a lack of understanding on how they can engage efficiently and effectively with clients on philanthropy. So that's an issue for the industry to, to look at in more depth. And what sort of changes are you noticing in the way people are giving money, uh, you, you know, compared to, uh, say, I don't know, the 80s, or the 90s? The trends nowadays are people are not willing to give money away and not know where it's going and not know what achievements it's actually having. So people are taking a much more proactive stance with regard to their giving. Perhaps they will focus exclusively on one area and they will dedicate time to that. So it's not just a question of money, it's also a question of time, their expertise, the networks that they may be able to bring to a certain cause to deliver more effective giving. So it's a kind of commercialization of the giving model. So do you think the very rich are becoming more generous uh, in uh, the downturn? I think so, and I think there's... um I think you'll probably have to make a distinction between the very rich and, and the, the averagely rich, <laughs> um, those who can really afford it, who really see the need and the are able to access the expertise more easily in terms of giving. These are the guys that can actually still maintain a level of giving or even increase it. And I think we have seen it in certain instances um, that will, will be well um, well noticed in the press. Um, Stephen, one thing that um, I often wonder about is uh, the wealthy spend an awful lot of time uh, and effort um, avoiding unnecessary tax on investments and properties and various holdings. Uh, is there opportunity for them to be more tax efficient in the way that they give to charities? 
Absolutely, and that's where the advisors come into play. Um, one of the specific areas with which the advisory market is able to offer services in the philanthropy realm and across the markets um, to uh, people willing to give is in tax. It's also in um, you know setting up the structures that make these vehicles tax efficient. Um, it's other areas of service where the advisory market falls down with regard to um, offering a, a philanthropy-related service to wealthy individuals. So there absolutely are means with which they can give tax efficiently. And I think as well some wealthy individuals are actually looking to make a return on their money or at least, you know, make an income, you know, so that so they really want to assess how it's, things are moving and actually run it a bit like a business. Absolutely. And this is a reflection of the commercialization that is taking place in the philanthropy market. People are not just willing to see their money disappear into a black hole anymore. They want to see a results-oriented process put in place. Um, that is one of the areas where the wealth market is seen as challenged at the moment in terms of delivering a service to the client base or to the wealthy individuals that they can then see a commercialization approach in place. So wealthy or otherwise, would your advice be to individuals, go and talk to your bank, go and talk to your wealth manager and almost challenge them to find an efficient way to uh, to give to suit your particular objectives? Absolutely. People need to challenge if that's the way they wish to go. Um, the market at the moment is challenged by its wish to re-engage with clients, given the fact that people have lost money in the, in the markets. Um, philanthropy is one area in which the industry recognises that it needs to up its game. Um, it's a bit of a patchwork across the industry at the moment in terms of the service level that a client can uh, receive. Um, so clients should definitely challenge and see where they can access the best service model. Well, sounds like it's uh, it's down to us and uh, down to our banks as well. So thank you very much uh, okay. for that, uh, Stephen, and, and uh, thanks, Ellen, as well. And for details of uh, the report uh, that Ellen was uh, talking about earlier and ideas about the best ways to give your time and all your money, look out for Ellen's article in FT Money this weekend and online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, house prices. Both the Halifax and the FT house price indices have recorded further falls this month. But in some areas, an acute shortage of properties for sale, coupled with a strong resurgence of buyers, has brought fierce competition back into the market, which is lifting prices. And Jolene, you've you've seen uh, the price data, but I believe you've also seen first-hand evidence of this phenomenon this very week. Yes, actually, that, that's right, Matthew. I took the rather strange decision to market my flat. Um, it's not strange. I, I, I did the same thing. <laughs> right at the bottom of the market, um, just to see if we can, you know, what the climate would be like to move. And in, it's been quite incredible. We've had a number of very serious buyers interested and the property hasn't even been on the market for a week. And this does seem to be indicative of what's happening in certain areas, particularly London and the southeast, where there is an acute lack of properties for sale. But there are actually a number of very keen buyers who want to get in while prices are low. Um, mortgage finance has started to ease a little bit. So it's, it's a good time to buy, but vendors are still very nervous about selling. So let's talk about some of these uh, hotspots then where supply is constrained and demand is pent up. Um, which particular areas and and how much of an effect is it having on prices? 
It's having a really big effect on prices. There was some research out from Hamptons International, the estate agent. It's operating only in the prime parts of the market, so its research is really limited to Greater London. But in some boroughs, Chelsea, Knightsbridge, Kensington, those very desirable places to live, asking prices have risen up to 9% in the first half of this year compared with the first half of last year. But this research really exposes the huge disparity in prices because other boroughs, um, particularly some areas of South London and places like Battersea and, and Wandsworth it picked out, um, as, uh, have, st- have still seen quite sharp falls in asking prices. So it's really just going borough by borough, possibly even street by street. Uh, you know, if there are a number of other properties for sale, suddenly you would have your price coming under pressure again. But in some areas, there are as many as sort of nine, ten buyers per property. And they're getting into situations of com- competitive bidding, gazumping even, and pushing prices back up. So there's clearly this disparity um, in certain areas of London, separated by just a, a few miles, or as you say, just a couple of streets. Uh, what about the wider country? Uh, are there also uh, big regional disparities? I think they are starting to emerge and London and the South East were hit particularly badly last year. They've seen some really, really sharp falls and I think the impression is that they will start to recover faster. Um, In the country as a whole, Halifax said prices were down by just half a percent in June compared with May, but it's very volatile at the moment. Previously in, in May, Halifax actually said that prices increased just by a couple of percent. So it's really going month on month, but not much sign of a sustainable recovery uh, in in the market as a whole. It's really just the pockets of where the really desirable properties are. Just a few hotspots, um, which include where you live, obviously. <laughs> um, and for more on those uh, hotspots, exactly where they are, um, look out for Charlene's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all we've got time for uh, in this week's FT Money show. Remember, you can read the latest news every weekday on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can send in your questions and your comments on the show to our email address, money at ft. T.com. Also remember that uh, in FT Money this weekend, we have the fourth and final part of our series on DIY financial planning, which is also on the website. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Charlene, Ellen and our special guest, Stephen Wall from the Scorpio Partnership. Goodbye. Goodbye. 